Hi, I'm Amy Porter, and this is my podcast. My mission is to show people how to empower themselves through music, business, and media. I try to see as clearly as possible how I can help. I showcase the music that I've played and the people I've met along the way. I'm a wife and a stepmom. You might know me as a professor, a performer, a producer, a publisher, a recording artist. I'm the founder of a couple of nonprofits. Welcome in to my Porter Flute Pod. Welcome to Porter Flute Pod. It's a long episode today and a very necessary topic in our third season. It's episode seven Stay Well, Play Well Injury and Injury Prevention. Today, I'd like to begin with a big disclaimer. The views put forth today are those of mine and my guests. Please know that we here at Porter Productions only want the best for those of you with pain. And we'd like to serve as a resource of comfort and understanding for you all. Knowledge is power when we play the flute, and we'll discuss some anatomy and some psychological issues, like knowing what muscles and tendons are being used throughout the body. That's extremely helpful. Pain is not a signal to be ignored. That's important. And the flutist is an athlete, whether you like it or not. With us asking questions in the podcast is Alan J. Tomasetti, and continuously checking the vibe is Justine Sedke. Thank you to our guests today, Angela McHouston and Melissa Mashner and Angela Massey, for going deep into their hearts and bringing us their stories of injury and comeback. I went to the vault and found my J.S. Bach cello suite in D minor from my album In Translation, for your comfort. Welcome to Porter Flute Pod. We're so happy you're here. Today, we'll hear from four people who have had injuries and have come back from them. They were determined to keep going. We'll feature one person who made a business and a career out of being a personal coach to those who are injured and who want to prevent injury. Knowing that you're not alone is a common message. Repetitive motion injury is very common and we need to discuss it. We'll also discuss hypermobility or overextension. And those bodies are prone to injury. So we'll get into how not to overuse. And we'll also hear about the neck and the hips. My perspective going into the flute and its playing has always been physical. Since I understood how the human body tracked its bones and muscles. I've always known physical movement was necessary to play the flute, so maybe I've that's maybe that's why I haven't had those injuries that are flute related. My injuries are animal related, caused by dog walks and falling off a horse. I pulled the knuckle of my left fourth finger once. Uh, it took a year to settle down, and then I broke that same hand on the far left side. 
and I played a concert in Taiwan two weeks later. You'll hear that story in the podcast. You see, I learned in Salzburg, Austria, and then in four years of the Alexander Technique training, both the table method and the personal one-on-one coaching, that focusing on the small, minute movements of the body can make a big difference. Try to feel the micro-movements are lengthening and strengthening your joints, and you'll have more room for power and strength of tone without stress and grip. So now I'll read about bursitis, and my resource is called Prescription for Nutritional Healing. There's so many additions. It's by James and Phyllis A. Balch, and it's an incredible book I have had since my 20s. So you guys, (laughs) it's a long time. I used to crawl in bed and open the Prescription for Nutritional Healing. Uh, I guess I was so into it. So I want to read a little bit about bursitis. Bursitis is an inflammation of the bursa. It's a bursa. A bursa or the bursi are small fluid-filled sacs located between tendons and bone in various places of the body. They help to promote muscular movement by cushioning against friction between bones and other tissues. An inflamed bursa causes pain, tenderness to the touch of the affected body part, and limitation of motion. There may be redness and swelling as well. Bursitis can be caused by injury, chronic overuse, reactions to certain foods, airborne allergies, or calcium deposits. Tight muscles also may lead to bursitis. The bursae in the hip and shoulder joints are most often affected. Bursitis affecting the arm is also called tennis elbow or frozen shoulder. Occupational bursitis is not uncommon and it's known by old familiar names such as housemaid's knee, policeman's heel, or the beat knee or beat shoulder of coal miners. One of the most common foot ailments, the bunion, is actually a form of bursitis caused by friction. A tight-fitting shoe causes a sac on the joint of the big toe to become inflamed. Bursitis can affect anyone at any age. However, older people, especially athletes, are more likely than others to get bursitis. It can sometimes be difficult to differentiate between bursitis and tendonitis, the inflammation of a tendon. Bursitis is usually characterized by a dull, persistent ache that increases with movement, whereas tendonitis typically causes sharp pain on movement. Tendonitis often affects people who routinely have to reach to perform certain activities such as domestic workers and painters and flute players. (laughs) Tendon inflammation may also result from calcium deposits that press against a tendon. Unlike tendonitis, bursitis is often accompanied by swelling and fluid accumulation. I'm very glad to be here and want to thank Amy for the lovely invitation to be part of the podcast. My name is Angela Massey, and I have built a career as a soloist, flutist, and founder of the Astralis Chamber Ensemble and hold flute positions with the Venice Symphony and Southwest Florida Symphony Orchestra. Amy has asked me to speak about my experience with a performance injury, and to do that, I need to start at the beginning. 
From the first time I heard the sound of the flute, I knew that was the instrument I wanted to play. At eight years old, I knew I wanted a career as a flutist and would not hesitate to share that with people. Anytime someone asked what I was going to do when I grew up, I was quick to say that I was going to play the flute. Little did I know how many challenges and difficult circumstances I would have to overcome to make that happen. During my undergraduate studies, I was forced to be independent of family due to extenuating circumstances and work full-time as a third shift receptionist. Working through the night while in school left me with only two to three hours of sleep each night. Despite the difficult hours and extreme financial strain, I found strength in my flute playing and desire to perform. It was my practice time that I looked forward to the most every day. In my graduate studies at the University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music, I was able to work at more reasonable hours, but this required late night practice sessions and longer sessions to find the practice time required. I was a serious student and made sure I found the practice time even if I was practicing until 2 a.m. and starting again at 7 a.m. As you can imagine, it was debilitating and crushing when I lost that ability to play. I remember this day clearly. It was a Monday in the final spring semester of my master's degree, and I was only a few weeks away from graduation. I had a nonstop day with several different rehearsals, a lesson, practice, and an evening concert. I was in the afternoon orchestra rehearsal when pain shot down my arm and the right two fingers and my right hand went numb. There was intense tingling and pain down the entire arm so that I couldn't bear to even lift my hand. I was playing principal at the time and the conductor stopped the orchestra to find out why I wasn't playing. Needless to say, I didn't play the rest of the day and that would be the last I played for many months. I met with an orthopedic specialist that determined I had damaged the ulnar nerve in my right arm. You know the one, when you hit your funny bone and it tingles? It was tingling this way nonstop, so that I was fighting back tears from the pain. I received the same diagnosis from two doctors and told I had to stop playing immediately. I had to keep my arm straight all the time with a brace, wear a mold at night to avoid bending it, couldn't write, couldn't lift anything, and couldn't even turn a doorknob. I suddenly had to learn how to do everything with one arm, and it made everyday life a challenge, even covering the basics of grocery shopping and driving. Any slight movement would make the pain more severe and risk my recovery. I was told I would never play again, and another said I had a slight chance of recovery if I restricted use of my right arm and it healed properly. I remember very well the feeling of utter devastation that everything I based my life on, my one core and goal that kept me going through everything, may no longer be possible. I saw chiropractors, massage therapists, physical therapists, and searched for any information I could possibly find on music-related injuries. This was in 2007, when the iPhone was brand new and information was much more limited. That summer, I moved to Augusta, Georgia, and was very fortunate to find a massage therapist with knowledge of athletic injuries and ideas to help.
I continued to rest my arm and have weekly massage appointments for my arm, neck, shoulders, and back. Eventually, the pain began to lessen, and it was a tremendous relief to have the feeling return in my fingers. I was advised by an orthopedic surgeon that I could start playing 10 minutes a day, and every month I could add another 10 minutes. Those 10 minutes meant so much, and it was extremely moving to hold a flute in my hands again that I was in tears, but this time for a good reason. I followed the plan exactly with adding 10 minutes every month so that within six months I could play an hour again. I learned music by studying it and listening so that I could make the most of my limited time on the instrument. I heard of a class in California for body mapping, Alexander Technique, and Feldenkrais that was aimed at injury prevention and helping flutists with injuries. I was excited to hear of a place where I could meet other flutists that understood what I was going through. I took an early morning job at a coffee shop so that I could save for the trip, and in 2008, I went to California. It was comforting to meet flutists that had similar injuries and experiences. I developed a more thorough understanding of movement, balance, and how to avoid tension. I was able to increase my awareness and recognize the signs that it was time to take a break before the tingling would start. This experience and the knowledge gained was the final step in my recovery. The tingling would still come and go, but I knew when to take breaks, how to manage my practice schedule, and what activities to monitor that cause strain. I started yoga as well, and through this combination of mental and physical maintenance, I was able to return in time to playing. Since my injury, I have been able to play as much as seven to eight hours a day when needed with constant breaks, yoga, massages, and awareness. I was extremely fortunate to recover and thankful for those that helped me through this challenging time. Lee Pearson, Amy Lykar, Martha Kitteman, Lee Holtman, and many others. I cannot stress enough how important it is to teach students about injury prevention, body mapping, and how to manage practice time. I still today schedule my practice in one-hour sessions to avoid injury. That seven to eight hours a day I mentioned before, that was in one-hour increments and only when necessary, not something I recommend on a regular basis. It means a very early start and long day, but as I have learned, to be successful in music, we have to be willing to work hard and do what it takes. Today, I'm living my dream of performing at prestigious venues, a notable concert series, and have over 60 recitals each season as a soloist and with the Astralis Chamber Ensemble. With Astralis, I oversee all areas of the performances with programming, instrumentation, selecting musicians, expanding chamber repertoire for flute through commissions and arrangements, and choose where to travel for our monthly tours. It is very rewarding to bring concerts to communities of all backgrounds and share something I find crucial to society, music. I've always thought that the challenges in life we encounter make us stronger and more appreciative of what we have. That has been my experience and it has meant the world to me to be able to perform. Anyone that is struggling with a similar injury, know that you're not alone and feel free to reach out. I would love to hear from you. 
I hope you'll follow more of my story on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Best wishes to all of you for healthy and happy fluting. The Prescription for Nutritional Healing is now in its fifth edition. You can find it everywhere. It's by James Balk, B-A-L-C-H, and Phyllis Balk, C-N-C. And it's a comprehensive, up-to-date, self-help approach to good health. And I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs from the preface. It starts with a quote from Hippocrates. A wise man should consider that health is the greatest of human blessings. Socrates once said, there is only one good, knowledge, and one evil, ignorance. This statement should guide us in all of our actions, especially where our health is concerned. Too many of us do not have the slightest idea of how to maintain good health. When illness strikes, we rely on our doctors to cure us. What we fail to realize is that, quote, the cure, end quote, comes from within. Nature has provided us with a wondrous immune system. And all we have to do is take proper care of this inner healing force. Does this sound too simple? Basically, it is simple. Our modern lifestyles have gotten us off the right track. With fast foods, alcohol abuse, drug dependencies, a polluted environment, and high-tech stress. Nature intended to fuel our inner healing force with the right natural substances to enable the body to function up to its fullest potential. Nature's resources, whole foods, vitamins, minerals, enzymes, amino acids, phytochemicals, and other natural bounties. They're all designed for use in our immune systems. However, because most of us have a profound lack of knowledge as to what our bodies need to function properly, we find ourselves out of balance and susceptible to all sorts of illnesses. All individuals should take an active part in the maintenance of their health and in the treatment of their disorders with the guidance of a healthcare professional. The more we take it upon ourselves to learn about nutrition, the better prepared we will be to take that active role. Attitude is also an important factor in the process of health maintenance and healing. We must have a positive state of mind in order to bring harmony to the body. The realization that the body or the lifestyle, the spirit or your desire, and the mind, your belief, must come together is the first step to better health. This edition has taken over 25 years of study, work, and research to put together. It's intended to provide you and your healthcare professional with a more natural approach to healing, which may be used in conjunction with your current medical treatment. 
A number of the suggestions offered can be administered only by or under the supervision of a licensed physician. Also, because our body chemistries differ, some of us may have allergic reactions to certain supplements. Before taking any nutritional supplement, check with your healthcare professional regarding its appropriateness. Should you experience an allergic reaction to any supplement, immediately discontinue use of the supplement. You should never attempt to treat yourself without professional advice. No statement in this publication should be construed as a claim for a cure, treatment, or prevention of any disease. It's also important to point out that you should not reject mainstream medical methods, learn about your condition, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Feel free to get a second and even third opinion from qualified health professionals. It's a sign of wisdom, not cowardice, to seek more knowledge through your active participation as a patient. Hello, thanks so much for having me here today. My name is Melissa Mashner. I am the adjunct flute professor at Adrian College, and in addition to that, I teach a private studio of 25 students here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'm also the vice president for the Southeast Michigan Flute Association and a proud Go Blue Flute alum. It is such a pleasure to be here today to share a small slice of my story regarding repetitive motion injury and how that shaped both my career and my teaching today as well as my musical journey with playing the flute. And my hope is that by hearing this story you will walk away feeling encouraged if you are in the middle of an injury or experiencing a symptom of pain, encouraged that you're in control of your next steps and you can take steps today to promote wellness and healing for your body and that you'll walk away feeling empowered, knowing that if you're not facing an injury right now, you can take active steps to be proactive so that your musical journey is long and very fruitful. So I'll start by sharing a little bit of the symptoms I noticed back in high school um, that led to some greater injuries that I had to work to overcome. And Professor Porter helped me with this in my master's degree at U of M. And um, prior to that, I worked with Professor Thomas Robertello at Indiana University. He also was so helpful during this time. And I really want to start by sharing that our body is created in an incredible way. It is unique and beautifully knit together. And your body is a gift. You only get one, and it is your job to care for it well in your life. So sometimes when our body is not feeling well, it will give us a symptom, and those symptoms can come out as pain or discomfort, or maybe we, we notice something isn't happening the way it usually has happened for us in the past. Please don't ignore the symptoms. When I was in high school, I started noticing that I was having tendonitis and issues in my wrists and in my hands, both left and right. As a flute player, you can already tell that is very bad news. And I have always been a very driven and motivated person. So to me, this didn't seem to be a reason to stop pursuing my goals. And I just ignored it. I kept right on going because I really wanted to continue making progress and succeeding with what my goals were. 
But what I didn't know at the time is that when our body gives us a symptom, it is the it is the body's job to give us that symptom so that we can figure out what else is going wrong. And if a symptom is coming, then it means that our body needs our care and our rest and our attention. The symptom of pain in my wrists and in my hands was uh, caused by bursitis in my shoulders, both right and left. Bursitis is an inflammation of the bursa, and in my case, it was the one in the shoulders. Um, It happens most often at joints that perform frequent repetitive motion, and the symptoms can include pain and swelling and stiffness. So uh, as I was experiencing that, I learned that my body is double-jointed in many areas. Because of that, it is overflexible and prone to overextension. And this has been an important discovery that from high school all the way through my undergrad and my grad degree and my work as a professional since then has really been important. I have learned that my body, because it is prone to overextension and flexibility, is susceptible to repetitive injury motion. And the only way I can combat that successfully is by staying active and strengthening the muscles and joints around those prime targeted areas that are getting a ton of use. So let's flash forward a little bit to um, following my master's degree. I was unfortunate to be in a very serious car accident. I was hit uh, as a T by T-bone driver who ran a red light and um, it was entirely their fault, but caused a lot of massive spine issues in my body. And because I knew from these other things in my life that my body is overflexible and it's prone to overextension, I was able to bring that information and work with several phenomenal personal trainers and physical therapists and spine specialists to begin what ended up being about a two-year recovery period for my body. Um, During that time, I was not able to play flute at all, and I had to start with very basic motions to build strength. Uh, The injury had hit my spine. The car had hit my spine, so I was injured at a really pivotal point that actually prevented me from walking for a time. And so I had to really look deep into my heart and draw on the strength of my foundation to take steps, baby steps, to recover. And that meant starting with very simple activities to regain mobility and to strengthen my spine, to strengthen my back and my muscles, and to eventually begin playing five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, work that up for weeks at a time. And at the end of those two years, what happened is my perspective had massively shifted on all of these things. Um, I was now thinking about approaching air and sound with variety and health for my body because I had to. Um, And I was thinking about where is there tension or where is there stress in my playing in a new way? Because again, I had to, but I couldn't help but think in that time, while this accident could have been, um, I could look at that and say, man, I really was unlucky or I, I can't believe that happened. I've lost so much. I chose to look back at that as a growing opportunity and a new experience for me because now I can teach 
and inspire a next generation of flute players that is much more aware of body care through my teaching so that they can experience a lasting lifestyle of health through music and artistic freedom. And that really started with my own personal journey, right? Having to walk through this intense time of focus and patience and small steps to strengthen my body. And as I said at the beginning, my hope is that in sharing this, you will feel encouraged. So if you're walking through anything like an injury, um, I want to encourage you to take those next steps and to start them today. We get one chance with this body that we have to make it our very, very best. And being a musician is so much like being an athlete in that your body and your lifestyle is integral to what you're going to do with music. And that is true whether you're in a performance space or a teaching space or a collaborative space or any of those things that we enjoy doing as musical professionals. I also hope that you'll feel encouraged and empowered. Please don't wait until you have a crisis to learn about your body. Um, I, like I said, was driven and motivated to succeed as a musician, and I really could have stopped and learned more sooner. And if I had, I wonder if I would have been able to avoid that first round of injuries with bursitis and wrist tension, um, and if I would have been able to strengthen those muscles proactively so that I didn't have to recover through a healing process. So I encourage you to look for that in your students too. We are, when we're young, we form so many habits unconsciously, but look for your students to help them be able to understand and be aware of their body, to map their body so that they know exactly what is happening. My students are constantly engaging in a discussion of how to approach air and sound with variety and health for their body in a way that reduces tension and stress. And so I hope that you will feel um, encouraged and empowered today to consider a next step in whatever facet that looks like for you. Maybe that's getting up and moving your body for 30 minutes every single day, which is statistically proven to help wellness in our life. Um, maybe that's taking a next step to go to a workout space or contact a trainer or get in touch with a physical therapist who can help meet a need that your body is asking you to care for. Maybe that's looking at your own lifestyle and thinking, where is a space that I can grow? What is one step I can take to be proactive and in control of health and wellness for my body? So I encourage you with that. I leave you with that story. I want to thank um, Amy Porter because... She really came alongside me during that time following that car accident and encouraged me to keep pursuing my dreams and my goals. And without that, I think it would have been uh, easy to get discouraged and lose sight of what I wanted to accomplish. So rely on your network too, because at the end of the day, we're all family. We're here to support and encourage each other. And that's exactly what we need um, in our community of flute players. Thanks so much for having me today.
Angela McHouston. Welcome to Porter Flute Pod. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. I'm delighted to host you finally. We've been flirting for years about getting together at the right time in the right way in the right platform. I'm happy to share whatever knowledge I happen to possess. Well, wisdom is from a place of experience and you have had it. Can you tell us a little background about yourself, first of all, and why I'd be so crazy about you being here today? It's our pain prevention platform. Absolutely. So um, as she stated, my name is Angela McHouston, and I own a business called Music Strong, which specializes in strength training for musicians and um, with a focus on injury prevention through strength. So the backstory behind all this, I mean, I always loved fitness, but I could never figure out, you know, how that that figured into being a musician because um, I, um, I have my master's in flute performance as well, but I wasn't sure how to put the two of those together. I mean, you know, I graduated and went, well, now what? <laughs> you know, and I mean, I'm, I, I'm not the only person who's, who's thought that, but the backstory before that was that I have actually now been injured four different times as a result of playing an instrument, one alto flute injury, two flute injuries and a piccolo injury. Yeah. So every time I would go see a doctor about it, because I wasn't sure what to do, they would just tell me to quit playing. And that was just the laziest answer. I'm like, you don't tell uh, a professional athlete to just quit, right? So, I mean, you think, okay, European football, soccer. How many times do these guys pull hamstrings? Like every game, right? You tell them to quit. Do you think they're just, they must not be very good athletes? No, it's part, it's kind of expected, right? But as musicians, that's what we're told. Oh, you must not be very good if you're injured. You better not tell anybody. Suck it up, you better get over it. What do you mean you're injured? Well, you should just quit. I mean, it's the dumbest thing, right? And so I've got sick and tired of hearing that. And I went, well, forget this. I didn't know that there were any resources or there weren't very many when this, this third one happened. Um, and it was bad. I mean, like I had a muscle imbalance between my chest and my back from cramming for a piccolo audition. And it's not about the weight of the instrument. It's about the posture that you're in and how many hours a day and how much stress and extra tension are you holding? And if you're going from zero hours to four hours or six or eight or 12 hours, and you're very intense and you're in a small posture, there's not a lot of real estate on a piccolo. I mean, you know, we're (laughs) in a really small area here and then your head juts forward and everything gets tense. And what happened is that the muscles here were in my chest were so tight, they were pulling in my back and I had these mad back spasms that made it impossible, it hurt to breathe and I couldn't play, I couldn't put my right arm down, it was stuck. And you know, they're like, oh, you have a muscle imbalance. Um, Well, normally yours is so severe. Uh, What we'd normally do is uh, you have a knot in this muscle here. We'd, We'd normally just give you a cortisone shot in the middle of that knot. The problem is it's right over your heart, so it'd probably kill you. You probably don't want that. Uh, no doctor, I don't. What's your plan B? He goes, well, you should just quit playing. What's plan C? He goes, well, I got this cream I can give you. I'm like, give me your cream. You're fired. <laughs> and so I left there and went, okay, that's it. I will be a resource. And that's the 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 short version of how Music Strong was born. I guess yeah, it's, yeah, well, so many, many beautiful ideas have come out of necessity and pain. The pain points create the need to create, you know, get rid of that pain. Necessity is the mother of invention. Mm-hmm. Necessity is the mother of invention, big time in your case. Mm-hmm. So, so go on. Did you, 
Um, well, wait. I have one point to make. Being married to an athlete who coached hockey for 27 years and has his uh, carpal tunnel battles to fight and two, two wrist surgeries later, he, I think, was already in shape. So can we talk just a little bit about this doctor, perhaps, had he been treating an athlete, do you think that the athlete was more in shape, quote unquote, not that we're all out of shape as musicians, but we're definitely not as in shape as professional athletes. So um, I'm just testing your theory for a second. If if our bodily you know, function here is not to be an athlete, but to play the flute, how much faster is recovery for an athlete than a musician based on the fact that they're in probably better shape than a musician. Sorry if I anger someone, but what do you think? I have so many ways I want to go with that. Um, Okay. So I think musicians are athletes and I don't want to say we're athletes of the small muscles because you don't just play your flute with your fingers. Right. We breathe. Exactly. But we're high, not high heart rate. Like we don't run out and take runs. A lot of us, we have to be forced to do that and told that by the way, you breathe for a living and we go, Oh, we do. You see? <laughs> yes, 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 you do. Yes, there's different types of being in shape. And so those types of athletes have a different type of in shape versus us. We, a lot of us are in shape to a degree to play an instrument. Like when you first started, you built up your practice time as a sixth grader or fifth grader, or whatever. You didn't start out doing six hour rehearsals. No. Then right. we get to a point where we can do that fine. But then if you take a break, we go backwards. We have to build that back up. And that's when I think of in shape, that's kind of what I'm thinking. You're increasing your playing endurance because I mean, think about it. Like I remember being in high school and taking like the whole summer off. I was traveling. I didn't play at all. And I went back to school and like, man, my shoulders hurt after playing, just being in band class. I'm like, man, I'm out of shape. I haven't held this thing in a while, you know? And then you sit down and you're just expected to play a two, four, six hour rehearsals in one day. No, 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 no. You have to work up to that. You have to build your endurance. Uh, and it's not just isometric endurance. I mean, there is some of that, but um, it's it's a little bit more loaded than that. So, I mean, yeah, on one hand, they are more uh, cardiovascularly in shape for sure. Yeah, um, they have they have a different uh, a focus. They have a different focus. focus than we do. But when it comes to recovery, they also have a team of people help them out. Who do we have? Right. We can, we can drink a protein shake and think that we're, our muscles are coming back, but I think we don't warm back down. You know, yeah. we don't warm down as musicians. Okay. So I agree. We, we can have a different quote unquote in shape feeling, um, but it doesn't necessarily preclude the fact that you are preventing injury just because you're in shape. Right. Right. Okay, just good. the nature of how so, you hold your instrument can add to that, that posture, that how many times, how many hours a day, yeah. times, how many decades do you play your instrument? You never change to play the other side. Well, that's you play yes. one way. That's right. That's a whole conversation in itself. Well, we've all broken our foot as a kid and then we injured the leg that isn't broken. <laughs> yes. Overuse because it suddenly has to take on too much, right? I mean, my first injury was an overuse injury. I was uh, I was at interlocking actually, and so you know you're you're going from what playing a couple hours a day as a high schooler, small fit, big fish in the small pond, whatever. And then you go to interlocking and you're like, oh, I uh, I I got work to do. Uh, I gotta go practice. 
<laughs> so you're right. I went from like two hours a day ish to eight hours a day for eight weeks. There was no physical preparation for that. None. So, I mean, I ended up with, I had a knot the size of a goose egg in the middle of my forearm. Holding a pencil like this was just agony by the time I was done. It hurt so bad. And so I go see a, a sports medicine doctor when I get home. And he's like, oh, yeah, you have tendonitis. Um, do some physical therapy. You need to stop playing for a while. And I was like, but I have auditions. But <laughs> You know, if you guys had physically prepared me instead of just throwing me in the lion's den, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Why don't we prepare our students for the demands of playing that long at that high of a level instead of just brushing them off. Be like, yeah, you need to stop for, you know, a long time, do some physical therapy. If that doesn't work, we'll give you a shot. It's like, we just deserve better than this. Yes. We have listeners uh, from ages 15 to 18 that are listening to this, that are going to go to interlocking and we will prepare them at this very moment of the podcast to say, could you please take breaks? A lot of them. So for me, it's 50 minutes, 10 minute break, 50 minutes, 10 minute break. You know, you could do, I don't know, 20 minutes of tone and 30 minutes of technique and take a break and don't do any more. Plus the cocktails of Tafanel Gobert and Berbigay etudes at the same time is also a tendonitis special. So don't overwork. Now, we see from Alan J. Tomasetti, you had the same issue, right? You, you, you raised your hand and said, that was me, your interlocking story. Can, do you have a story? I do. So very similar to Angela's, uh, I went to Boston University's Tanglewood Institute and not only was I in the ensemble, but also they have flute coachings for the flute section. On top of that, they have you have your chamber music. On top of that, you have other ensembles that you're playing with. Maybe the harp studio needs you for their ensemble stuff. On top of that, you have to practice your own time. So I remember after, after eating breakfast at 7, right at 8 o'clock until they gave us an hour to lunch, and then after lunch, just playing until maybe nine, ten o'clock at night. And I remember, and that was for about eight, no, it was about ten weeks of straight into that. And I remember calling my mom and saying, Mom, I, I, I can't pick up this thermos. I, I, I can't. It's hard to even pick up a cup. They said, oh, oh, you... You just you just think you that you have tendonitis. You just want those fancy armbands like everybody else has. You want to be part of the cool kids, and uh, just keep on going. You're fine. I'm like, oh, okay. I'll take a Tylenol. Okay, kept on going, kept on going. So by the time I got home, I couldn't even pick up any kind of glass. Like I was struggling, just holding it with just the inside of my palm, not even like being able to grip it. And brought it to the brought myself the doctor and they said you have a severe case of tendonitis almost close to carpal tunnel carpal tunnel and my mom just looked at me and said oops i thought i thought kids don't get that i thought that's only an adult thing for tennis elbow karma had it where three weeks later she got tennis elbow i'm like oh you're fine (laughs) rub some dirt on it you'll be good push through you just want those cool cool armbands like the cool kids and it what took me so long to recover from that because I was going right into college auditions right after that, preparing for them. So I had to take, I had to force myself to take a break 
in order to just at least mentally prepare myself and just get my arm muscles back up to the way that they were. And then I was able to be in shape to audition. So, yes, our parents were from an era when there wasn't a lot of information. And when we were growing up, there wasn't an Internet that you could just, you know, find out anything you wanted quite yet. So I think my mom would have had the same. She did have the same issue. You know, I fell off a horse. Uh, they took me to get an MRI. Oh, the diagnosis was everything from, oh, you have a cyst on your sciatic nerve and you have to go to the Mayo Clinic to, you know, you'll have, you'll have to be in traction. So I was, I was in traction for so many weeks as a 14 year old. Talk about anger, Angela. Don't you know, I marched out of there and I said, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) This contract, this contraption pulling my legs at the bottom of the bed and I'm in a hospital. I was so mad that I swore to myself I would learn how the body moved and was meant to stand and sit and behave because no one's going to teach me. So for all the younger listeners out there, we are giving you these pain prevention points. And it's also for your teachers and it's also for your parents because there are some so many misunderstandings about their out there. So, Alan, thank you for that story. It's not to say that your mother was just ill-informed. And, and for her to come back and say, wow, I didn't know that could happen to young people. It's it's mm-hmm. important for, for older people to realize that this happens to everyone. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. And my mom got to learn, especially because I'm the only musician in my family. So they never really got to experience hand injuries, arm injuries, wrist injuries of any kind. So being able to see me progress through that injury uh, recovery and then going on to college auditions and how do I take care of myself and why I have to use a brace at certain times for certain reasons and explaining that to her really opened up her eyes into seeing this whole other world that she was never exposed to. Well, I had um, a couple of injuries to my left hand, and I'll tell mm. my story about pushing through. Um, I had my fourth finger pulled out of its socket a little bit by a leash. Uh, my dog and I, de- my dog decided to chase a squirrel. Then a couple of years later, she chased the same squirrel in the same spot in the yard. This time, I went flying and and uh because i was sprinting we decided to sprint the last bit you know it's good for you to sprint but the dog had the squirrel in its sight so i fell on the hand and it was interesting to just call my doctor and say hey remember that finger last year well i i think i injured the same place the same hand he didn't even see me he just got me right in for the x-ray and at that moment five michigan surgeons walk in the room And the first question they asked me, Angela, was brilliant. What are you doing? Um, 
right now. And I said, I have a tour of Taiwan in two weeks, a concerto and a recital. And this question that was super remarkable was, how many notes do you have to play? (laughs) (laughs) All of them. I have to play all the notes. I said, (laughs) a lot. But I think I could change the repertoire. And he said, okay, you don't need surgery, but you need two weeks rest. And I said, so cool, I'll rest for two weeks and I'll take off and I'll go to Taiwan. So I have this in my head and I call my manager. Now, this was during Hurricane Sandy. Yeah. So there's my manager, poor thing. She's, she's up there on, <laughs> in her New York apartment weathering the storm. And I call and I say, hi, Marianne, are you okay? Oh, yes, we're safe. We're good. We're fine. <laughs> I said, well, I don't want to bring you more bad news, but I broke, uh, I fractured a bone in my hand, and I know I have this concerto in Taiwan. And Angela, guess what it was? Low Lieberman. No, Lieberman. Oh, okay. Too many notes, right? She said- That's not light work. It was so amazing. Just like the doctor, she not one time poo-pooed me. She said, what do you want to play? And I said, Trail of Tears. There's fewer notes and I'm double-tonguing. She said, fine. I said, I'm supposed to rest for two weeks, but I can totally do this on two weeks. Rest, get on a plane, get back up. And all I did, Angela, was pull my arm around from the back. So let's get back to the anatomy, people. The arm starts back there at the shoulder blade, not at the, not at the, not where you think your shoulder is, where your dress strap goes or your your shirt goes. That's not your, you know, arm. Your arm is all the way in the back. So I knew this, and I just brought my left arm around, and then I brought my wrist in a little bit, and I played the whole tour with a broken hand. And, yes, you can go to YouTube right now and put it up, Trail of Tears, Amy Porter from Taiwan. It's a one-camera shot. It's far away. It's uh, with the Evergreen Philharmonic, and I'm playing with a broken hand, you guys. And the next day, I wrote a letter to 10 people in my life, uh, including my manager and my doctor, thanking them for getting me through that. That's amazing. I I did not have to be told to quit, to quit, and I couldn't go on tour. (sighs) Finally, somebody with some sense. My gosh, we need more of those people. Wasn't that beautiful? That man is amazing. And he, he treats musicians a lot. And he knew when the injury was te- terrible and when it was, hey, it's just, it's a fracture. And if you just take a bit of a rest, you got it. So that's my story about playing with a broken hand. And everybody go find that on YouTube. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I love that so much. That's fantastic. Boy, your message is very powerful. And I mean, 90% of musicians will be injured. Oh my gosh, what a powerful message is that? So can you talk a little about that? Yeah, sure. It came from a study. Um, I wrote a book called The Musician's Essential Exercise. There aren't that many studies about how strength training affects musicians um, and injury rates. There's more about injury rates. And this was one of them. And it said it was somewhere between 41 to 93%. So I went down a little bit. But I mean, every, any presentation I've ever given on this, it's been standing room only. And you say, how many of you have experienced playing related pain or even had an injury? Nine out of 10 hands go up every single time. If it's not you, 
wonderful, but it's the guy next to you. It's the girl next to you. I mean, it's just really common. We don't talk about it. We're afraid to talk about it. Um, I know here in Nashville, where I live, it's like uh, the musicians, there's this lack mindset that there aren't enough jobs going around. You better not tell anybody you're injured. They won't hire you. They'll think you're not responsible. So you won't get the job. And then you'll have to go get a J-O-B and you'll never be a musician in this town because no one will. It's the, so people just play and play and they play through pain. And it, it's crazy. And so it's it's like, we don't talk about it but everybody's dealing with something, you know, it doesn't mean you have to have a debilitating injury, but you can, we get sore at least, right? All of us do. Oh my goodness. Yes. Let's talk about some of our soreness and what can be considered debilitating and what we can consider working around. So my first injury so to speak was a calcium deposit. It was, if you look down at your wrist and you go, towards your elbow, just a few inches, uh, you, there might be a bump or there might be some kind of hard surface um, or on your thumb or somewhere in your hand. It's it's these mineral salts that gather and deposit. You need to be flushing. You need to be having magnesium, right, Angela? You're a big oh my gosh, yes. of that. Yeah. So talk about calcium deposits and maybe perhaps um, these bumps that we get in our wrists from playing the flute. And I have seen bone spurs, which are kind of the same thing. And it can, it can be genetic. It can be after, you know, pressure points. It can be uh, a lot of times diet related. So if you're not getting um, a balanced diet, you're not taking a whole food multivitamin that's got minerals, and then you're just deficient, your body's either going to leach or pull from or create these kinds of things. Magnesium is just this, uh, it's, magic, but you know, we are so deficient <laughs> in this one mineral. If you've ever had an Epsom salt bath and you know how well you slept afterwards, that's the magic I'm talking about. It is. If you get these eye twitches that don't go away, a lot of times it's because you're magnesium deficient. If you get Charlie horses, some of it has to do with probably your calves are tight. Everybody I talk to, everybody, every client I have, their calves are crazy tight, which can pull on your low back, which can transfer to your shoulders, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of times we just don't get any magnesium. We just don't. And it's cheap. It's easy. Get the powdered stuff, drink it, go yeah. to bed and sleep like a baby. I spray <laughs> it on muscles, muscle, sore muscles. And mm. night spasms for the calves. I think that's lack of hydration. And by the way, everybody, uh, in true anatomy of sound fashion, I will say the body is 60% water. So let's get to replacing it. Um, your organs, your muscles, your nerves, we, they need to be hydrated. Your mind needs to be hydrated and not um, poked with a lot of stimulants to make you hyper that, that affects your body. We need to train the mind. So let's keep going with our um, things that, that could alarm us that really aren't an issue. Um, if we have tingling, let's talk about tingling. So there's, there's a moment in sometimes when I'm doing a squat. And for the, don't do this at home, but sometimes I have something, um, some weight on my traps. I have to remember, Angela, the difference between my traps and my neck. And so, yes, right? So it's easily to easy for this weight to roll up and you're going in your squat. And then I'm like, I get up and I'm like, oh, I felt a little tingle. Well, that's because mm -hmm. that's nerve control center of your entire body's in your neck. Get away from that. You have muscles that you can 
bring down. So when you're playing the flute, let's all lift our instrument up and pull into your neck really hard. And now just drop your shoulders really low and realize what your neck is and what, you know, that is, you have a neck and you need to separate it from the traps, the trapezius. And that that when you're getting those tingling sensations, perhaps it's neck related, you know, and, and definitely that's control central. Now, the nerves can travel down the arm and go right into our feet and our hands. So can we talk, can you talk a little bit about that? Have you ever had that issue? Oh, I am so glad you asked this because this is injury number four, dealing okay. with it currently for two years because nobody can effectively diagnose what exactly is going on. It goes from this thing to this thing to this thing to this. I'll tell you how it happened. This is the alto flute injury. I was cramming. Guys, don't cram on your instrument. It is always a bad idea. And we Angela, know this. Next time you want to cram, you just call me. I will. I will. So the thing was I had said yes to a um to it to uh, I was gonna be an artist in residence out in Durango, Colorado. I was gonna give a workshop and a recital. And the thing is, I had just transferred from the National Guard to the reserve band. And when I transferred, I had to give my nice flute back. So I didn't have a good flute to play. And I said yes to doing a recital and went, oh crap, on what? Uh <laughs> so I'm like, I have an alto flute and a piccolo. We're gonna do a lot of that. Um, oops. So yeah, one extreme to the other. So my alto is not a lightweight alto and it doesn't have a curved head joint. So I'm way out here. It still doesn't feel good. So you're in that extended position. And then when you get tired, what happens? Your head moves this way, right? And I have had some serious car accidents and I'm hypermobile. So my neck has some damage and way too much range of motion. Wow. Yeah. So those things, when you don't have stability, your body's going to find stability wherever it it can make it if you don't have it. So I didn't have it. And on top of this, I am getting ready for my army physical fitness test. So I've started doing a lot of pushups again. So we've got compression in the shoulder, compression in the chest, compression in the neck. And then the catalyst is I did an overnight um, trip with the army to Atlanta and I had a backpack on and this backpack weighed at least 50 pounds, if, if not 60 then, yeah, because I carried everything in this backpack and I had books and a computer and we're not talking a lightweight computer. This is not a MacBook Air. This is big old Dell workforce. Anyway, so I had all this stuff, plus my instruments, plus, plus, plus boots and all. Um, and I'm walking around the airport for like eight hours. Like I dropped, they dropped me off early. My flight wasn't until late. And it's just pushing on this area, pushing and pushing. It ended up compressing the thoracic outlet. Um, we think. After that, I started getting shooting electrical pains down my arm. I felt like my entire tricep back here was just stuck in contraction, just seizing. Numbness down my fingers. Um, This is still a little numb. It's still a little numb, numb, completely numb forearm. Um, I was on a bike ride and I, you know, I did the, uh, I did the recital. Didn't feel super awesome. I couldn't sleep. So I'd wake up and I'd get these shooting tingles and stuff. Anytime you feel tingles, that's nerve related. Um, so I went on a bike ride when I got back and it was miserable. I could not find a position that felt okay. Nothing alleviated it. And there was one point, maybe 10 miles in, I turned my head to the left and my entire right, if you turn your body into a plus sign, right? My entire right quadrant just seized. That's the best way I can say it. And I had 40 miles to go. It was not a fun time. 
<laughs> not, not a fun time. And it should have been fine. Right. So of course I go see a doctor and guess what he tells me to do? You got to quit playing. Stop. Yeah. Just stop. Wow. He also told me to quit lifting, which ended up being one of the worst things I could do. Absolutely. Yeah. So that backfired. Here we are two years later. I'm still dealing with some residual stuff because nerves take a long time to heal. Yes, they do. Now, I had kind of a same neck injury, but it, well, it wasn't an injury. It was something that was just in my neck. And mm-hmm. if I did a leg press, I felt it. If I was sleeping, I felt it. Two years. And so it was anatomy of sound uh, one year ago. Uh, I think it was during COVID. So Laura has us all do the S stretch. And I want everybody to know what the S stretch is. So if you sit down on the floor, you're going to take one leg and put it in front of you. um, And then one leg and put it behind you. And your knees are bent. And so she says, take your arms and make goal posts. And I do this. And she says, go ahead and bend over the knee that's in the front. And so I do it and take a breath and I breathe in. She says, come back up with your goal post arms. <laughs> Rotate the other direction. And go ahead and go down and look at your back foot. And I went, and you can hear the, ah! I went, Laura Dwyer, my neck. And she said, yes, it's all related. It's also in your hip. And I was like, ah! And so you have to do this three or four times. So you lift back up with your your touchdown, what am I like? Oh, goalpost arms, and you bend over the right. So you do this three to four times, front leg, and then over to the other side, and you have to, under your arm, be able to see your foot. So now, Miss Trainer, could you just correct maybe what I've said, because I don't have the vocabulary, but the S stretch can change your neck. So I'm going to say Laura Dwyer's little goalpost arm thing is for you. I'm sure you might do it already, but... Totally solved my neck problem. Haven't had an issue. It went away in about a month of these stretches. So that is the best stretch ever. Nice. Nice. I haven't heard of that one, actually. So, Okay, so that is going to be exciting because we're going to follow up with you. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to tell Laura. She's listening, I'm sure. And she will follow up with you, too, to see if the hip... All the way up the side through those quadrants, as you say, nerve wise, is mm-hmm. the, the hip has to be related, right? Angela, if it's your neck, it's your also your back. And if it's your back, it's your neck. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the body doesn't work in isolation. So, I mean, whenever you pick up something, you don't just, if you just do a dumbbell curl, you didn't just use your bicep. <laughs> you use your tricep, right? I mean, think about all the muscles your shoulder had to stabilize, your tricep had to do the opposite. You had to brace your core. You're standing or seated or you're not falling over, right? Like you have other muscles that have to work together. You don't do anything in isolation truly, especially playing your instrument. It's all related. And and there's um when it especially shoulder to hip, opposite shoulder to hip, there's a there is a connection. So um, a lot of times, like my my more unstable left shoulder is left and I have right hip issues. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So, yeah, exactly. So it's, um, it's, yeah, it's definitely related, especially when you're looking at an anatomically wise, when you look at the, like, for example, like the lats, the lats insert 
on the humerus on the arm, they go all the way down to your hips. When you lift your arms, if your lats are tight, it's going to pull on your low back, which changes your entire posture, right? I mean, that's, it's something small, but it's very much so connected. So if you are, if your lats are tight and your core is weak and you go to play, to play your flute, your low back might hurt. What? That's not connected. Oh yes, it is. <laughs> Correct. nerves heal um you can have something called nerve entrapment and double crush syndrome is where your nerve is entrapped in more than one place so nerves as we know are supposed to slide through and glide and be happy and mobile right well when they don't they get squished and they get stuck and they get ticked off so double crush is where that happens in more than one spot so we found that it's in my neck it's in my triceps it's by my elbow at least those three and so when you you can't just deal with one it's complicated, right? Sometimes things just aren't simple and they take time. And like I said, nerves, they take their sweet time. They don't care if you've got an agenda. So they will heal, but they take a long time to do it. Especially they do. when they've been pushed. They do. And heat and Advil and rest, it's, it's, it's crazy. So give us some simple tips on our way out that we can have in our toolkit for prevention in the future, like just reminders of healthy playing. Like for instance, you could write the word breathe and write it down a lot and like make a sign and just breathe, like literally get rid of the CO2 in your body and and get the energy in sound coming from below, like standing on the earth, feeling the earth supporting you. That's a great, you know, relaxation tension, um, releasing from the elbows. If you know me as a teacher, you see me having people's elbow. I put my hands out and I say, put your elbows in my hands. And I, I hold those, those tense elbows and you all blow. And then you look at me with wide eyes, like, am I still blowing? And I say, yes, you're still blowing without tension because we literally arrest our sounds in our arms. So give us some tips from that you have from music strong, uh, that we can use to remind ourselves of healthy playing. Sure. And I do this in my teaching as well, is I basically change the language instead of what you don't want, change it to what you do want. So let your arms hang from the flute instead of pushing it up, right? Let the, let the ground support you. Let is a very nice word to use. Um, another one is uh, I love to write open on my, on my music, especially those places you get closed up, just open, free, air, space, things like that. And just seeing those words make you go, oh yeah. And then your jaw will relax and then your neck will relax. And then you just, you know, another one, um, uh, Ava, who is my teacher at Florida State, loves to say this is, do you feel your feet? How often when we play, are we completely unaware of the rest of our bodies from the arms down? Stand on one foot, stand on one foot and play. I play it wrong on purpose, but you can't. <laughs> it's really hard, you know, stuff like that. And I love to put, I mean, if you're, if you're to not cram, <laughs> please take, take, take less for me. Do not cram ever period. End of story. Law of diminishing returns there. Set a timer, 
just work up in 10 minute increments. If it's been a while, then do 20. And then when you stop and take a rest, please don't get on your phone and get in this, you know, hunched posture, do something else. Move, right? My favorite thing, and I'll take any of these stretches that are in my book. Uh, my favorite is the, the chest stretch on the wall. When you do the chest stretch, it's not a passive stretch. You are squeezing your shoulder blade behind you as you twist away, but you're not being forcible about it. You're just you're, you're activating the weak muscle in the back that's been, uh, especially on the left side, that's been stretched. You're just bringing it back to, hey, buddy, you still have a job. I guess you do something for a minute. Let this guy, let your chest chill out. And then I follow that with some, some like prone T exercises, some wall sides or some things that let the back kind of wake up and go, oh, yeah, I'm part of this. Or I might lay on the floor and, you know, do some dead bugs where I'm bracing and pulling my core in towards the floor and just holding, but not holding super tense. It's just... Oh yeah, here's the rest of my body. I remember, you know, I'm not just playing with my hands. Anytime you can reacquaint with your body, it's good. We can lie on the floor and practice and play. We can lie on the floor and feel what it's like to play the flute into our back. Oh yeah. It's so good. Speaking of the ankles and anatomy of sound, we talk a lot about the front of the ankle and letting that go because people think the ankle is strictly that bone that juts out from our foot, but really it's right in front and you can get rid of all the nerves in your body, the tension and a lot of stress by relaxing the front of the the ankle. It's really incredible. Mm -hmm. I like that idea. I hadn't thought about that. Well, Angela... You have a book, you have a website, you have a program. Can you tell us all about it? Just give us your commercial. Absolutely. So I do personal training for musicians, and that can take the form of one-on-one in-person, or I have some instrument-specific workouts you can download from my website. My book is called The Musician's Essential Exercises. You can buy it on Amazon or get it on Kindle, ebook. Um, my programs are, I do online training. I've got clients all over the world, whether it's personalized. Uh, it is going to be personalized because... 600 of us could play the flute. We all have a little bit different anatomy and different feelings. And we, we're not all the same. Nobody's exactly the same. So your training won't be exactly the same as anybody else. And um, I've got two big programs that I'm doing right now. One is called the COVID Comeback Challenge. It's not really a challenge. It just sounded cool. So (laughs) (laughs) I like the three C's, right? And what it was is uh, it came out of last year where we took so much time off. Nobody was playing. Um, And then, you know, we can only practice so much, especially when you don't have anything to work towards. And so a lot of us just took a break. And then that break went on and on and on and on. And so I don't want you guys to get back to that oh, suddenly I have to perform and I've got to be back at the level where I was and now I'm here and I need to come back up. So this is a personal training, this is a strength training program that is instrument specific that will lead you in, uh, it's either, it's a six week intensive one if you're familiar with strength training or it's a three month more comprehensive program. It lays out daily corrective exercises then strength training that you can do to get your body prepared for playing your instrument, those six hour rehearsals or tours or concerts or shows or whatever. And then my pilot program is, it's not a workout, but if you are tired of being in pain or seeing other people in pain and you want to help the world change that, that's what that is. We learn all about the different types of problems there are, what you can do about it, what your options are, changing that lack mindset that feeds into it. And then we learn about how to increase the strength and endurance that we don't have, which can cause the injury. By the end of it, you write your own corrective exercise program. So that's in a nutshell what I'm doing. Give us the website name. Sure. It is musicstrong.com. And you can find me on all the social medias at basically Music Strong. So Facebook is Music Strong. Instagram is Music Strong Fitness. 
That's exciting, Angela. I'm so happy that you were here. And I know that I've had a personal trainer for 12 years. If you budget your finances like I do, I have a mortgage, I have an electric bill, and I have a trainer. (laughs) That's so good. Good for you. There's so much value in that. Yes. And it's not decadent. It's necessary. It's, you've got to budget it. And then you've got to budget in your health and you've got to budget in your uh, life. You think to yourself the day before, oh, I have training tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have to make sure that I'm ready for that and I'm, I'm sleeping and hydrating and I eat beforehand. And there's a lot. So I'm going to encourage everyone to look you up, Angela. Thank you so much for your time. And I just appreciate it that you showed up on Porter Flute Pod. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been a delightful conversation. I'm glad we could finally make it work. I know. <laughs> me too. Thank you, Angela Massey, Melissa Mashno-Donker, and Angela McHuston, and co-producer Alan J. Tomasetti for sharing your stories today. As Angela McHuston mentioned, 90% of musicians will be injured in their career. But if we gain the important knowledge we discussed, we can ensure many years of healthy performing habits and stay physically in tune with ourselves so we can do our best to avoid future injuries. Stay tuned for next week's Porter Flute Pod. It's our storytime episode, and our guest is composer and friend Lowell Lieberman. He's my old Juilliard classmate. You know, he's that composer of the Tricky Concerto and the Sonata that have become staples of our repertoire. So we'll share stories of how we met and the story of the Sonata and that famous performance at the NFA convention in 1990. You can find more about me at amyporter.com or for students, porterflute.com. Thanks for being in Porterflute Pod. I'm so grateful for you. (laughs) 